This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by two cutting-edge immune support formulas that work, CV Defense and CV Acute. There's nothing quite like them. CV Defense is a daily preventative that's antiviral, antibacterial, anti-allergic, anti-inflammatory, and anti-pain. CV Acute is a fast-acting three-day protocol for immune activation. It directly eliminates invaders with powerful ingredients based on patented Chinese medicine. You get the benefits of traditional Chinese medicine without concerns about quality or contamination that might come from less scrupulously vetted imports. I take it when I feel run down to fend off respiratory infections. Both products are safe, all natural, and backed by numerous clinical trials. For more information and to order, go to TotalImmuneHealth.com and take advantage of discounts from 30 to 50% just for listening to Intelligent Medicine. That's TotalImmuneHealth.com for the most exciting immune support products in years. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and it's our weekly Q&A with Layla, wherein we answer your questions. Questions come to us via radio program at AOL.com. That's the destination for questions on matters related to intelligent medicine. That means all and sundry. Of course, uh, lots of questions about uh, COVID-19, but uh, <laughs> other things are transpiring. Uh other health problems are confronting us, even amidst the pandemic, although it's taken up a lot of our oxygen. and Literally. Uh, literally <laughs> taken up our oxygen. Yes, it's uh, putting a lot of us on ventilators, and some of us don't even have COVID. We're just right. short of breath, just, just short of breath. thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, talking about it. Uh, so what's with the outfit, Layla? You know, did you... Did you get the memo this morning? Oh, about wearing black turtleneck? Black turtleneck. It's black <laughs> turtleneck day. Black turtleneck and sport jacket day. Oh, my gosh. So it's, yeah. I don't know, it's, it's like, you know, they say, February. they say sometimes the, the married couples, you know, sometimes uh-huh. like do that. Yeah. You know, but I, I didn't think we've been hanging out too much together because we were on Maybe. like the same wavelength. It was like <laughs> something inexorably drew me to the... Yeah. Dark wardrobe this morning with the black turtleneck and the charcoal uh, sport jacket. Right. Dark pants. I and think it's the weather. I think we're, we look like we're in a uniform. It's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, please, uh, you know, I know this is a radio and podcast, but please visualize that. Uh, we look like uh, ninjas. Two black turtlenecks. <laughs> we look like ninjas here. We're, we're ready. We just need the uh, you know the, the black balaclava. We could pull off a right. a cat burglary. Right? There we go. Um, yeah. Okay, so um, yeah, with the black mask, you know, the matching mm-hmm. black mask. So uh, we have a bunch of questions, but before we get to questions, uh, I must uh, commend you on your contributions to our newsletter because they're always good. Mm. They're always pithy, uh, to the point. Thank and, you. And, uh, you know, you really distill it down. I, I sometimes require hundreds and hundreds of words to get to make a small point and <laughs> you get, go <laughs> right in there. And so, um, this uh, is this week's Asks Layla. And I actually have an article, uh, that I want to use this to tee off for. Mm. Uh, Ask Layla, what does my elevated LDL say about my heart risk? And it's a question from a, Gentlemen, he says, I am a 71-year young man Yes, in excellent condition. That's the spirit. 70 is the new 50. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At my last physical, my HDL was 63. 
Okay. Triglycerides, 55, and LDL is 173. I've been told this is on the high side for LDL. How do I reduce my LDL cholesterol and protect myself from heart disease? And you answered... I answered, first of all, I said, let me commend you on the beautiful numbers for HDL number one right. the six, in the 60s. And low triglycerides, which I believe is a, is a, is a, is a more important indicator for heart disease risk than even cholesterol in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Sometimes paired with the, the triglyceride to HDL ratio. Yes. Right. Where even the, the HDL is higher than the triglycerides. Right. So talk about, I like to call HDL a garbage truck. That's a pretty big garbage mm-hmm. truck. Mm-hmm. Imagine mm-hmm. an HDL of 63 instead of, say, 43. Right. That's different. Which carries the bad stuff away, the, the gunk from your arteries. So, right. uh, so it, I saw that and I said, wow, Layla, you really are on target in reassuring this gentleman. Of course, you know, what we would like to do, formally speaking, is, you know, we don't like to simply be dismissive of a high LDL. We would like no. to drill down. We'd like to, as you say in the yes. article, you know, subfractionate the LDL, talk about other risk factors in conjunction with the LDL. Yeah. Ultimately look at the condition of the arteries with an EBT heart scan. Yes. Uh, because, you know, all these are risk factors, but they're not where the rubber meets the road. Where the rubber meets the road is what your actual arterial condition is. Yes. You know, and whether you have certain cofactors for heart disease, whether you have diabetes or whether you have hypertension and, you know, so and so and obesity, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> we don't know that much about this gentleman. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So, <laughs> and we don't do consults and newsletters. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah, right. We, we could we could do that. Uh, so, here is something that speaks to this phenomenon of a high LDL, but it's okay. Mm. That's that's a, in essence what you were sort of like yeah. dismissive. You sort of said, "Oh, congratulations! You know, yeah, your LDL side. By the way, there are studies, and another one came out I think this week, which shows that um, the higher your uh, cholesterol is past a certain age. Yes. The more likely you are to have longevity. Yes. So show me somebody, you know, 92 with a, a cholesterol of 110 and I go, ooh, that's not yeah. good. That's- you want their cholesterol to be like 268. Yeah. That would be... That, that would be, be good for a 90-year-old. Suggest good liver function. The yes. The liver is working hard to synthesize cholesterol yeah. and has a robust uh, reserve. Anyway, so... Uh, I'm going to hit you with a little, a little terminology here. American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, January 2021. The homeoviscous adaptation to dietary lipids model mm. explains controversies of a saturated fat, cholesterol, and cardiovascular risk. Well, whatever that is, the homeoviscous adaptation to dietary lipids, I would love if it could... Explain away these controversies over saturated fat, cholesterol, and cardiovascular risk. Yes. Because right now, uh, Kellogg's Corn Flakes is running ads saying for American uh, Heart Month, it's February's Heart Month, is eat your cereal. No, no, no. Eat your, and it it got the seal of approval from the American Heart Association Mm -hmm. because it's a high fiber breakfast cereal that they say is fat free, alleviates your risk for cardiovascular disease. We know now that saturated fat is not so much linked to cardiovascular disease, mm-hmm. nor is cholesterol. Right. But the fact remains yes. uh, that when people consume a higher protein and saturated fat diet, they generally get a little higher LDL. Yeah. And that freaks them out. It does. And it freaks out their cardiologists. And it also is yeah. the basis for many studies which say that, for example, coconut oil, rich in saturated fat, mm-hmm. 
don't go there. That's a you know myth. You know it's it's it, you it's know, saturated fat. It's, it's saturated bad. Fat, it's bad because it raises LDL. Well, it does. But if you look at societies that subsist largely on coconut oil, mm-hmm. you know, and they're few and far between now, but they were studied, you know, in previous decades before Westernization hit a lot of these Pacific islands. Mm-hmm. They consumed tons and tons of coconut oil. Like forty percent of their calories was coconut oil. Yeah, they had almost non-existent cardiovascular disease. So mm-hmm. they, so if coconut oil was doing them in, it, it didn't, it wasn't apparent. Yes. So uh, in this article, basically what they're saying is that when you take saturated fat, it's natural for your LDL to go up. Yeah. Why? Because you know you mentioned the HDL garbage truck. Yes. LDL is kind of a garbage truck too. Mm. It is a transport ah. molecule. Yeah. That grabs onto some cholesterol. And may help to circulate it away from where it can wreak havoc in the heart. So, uh, very good. So they say in this and article, bring it to where it needs to go. And I, I this hopefully. is a very technical article. I really don't want to get into all the the you know the very very um, minute details of this. But what they say is, um, accordingly, a saturated fat induced rise in LDL cholesterol Mm -hmm. in healthy individuals Mm -hmm. could represent a normal rather than a pathological response. Mm -hmm. I'll repeat. Yeah. A saturated fat induced rise in LDL cholesterol in healthy individuals could represent a normal rather than a pathological response. And we suggest alternative contributing factors to be responsible for the association between LDL cholesterol and arteriosclerotic cardiovascular disease, which could be the microbiome or, you know, other factors. Blood sugar. Low-grade inflammation, Inflammation, other things, you know. High insulin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they're saying, basically, don't necessarily assume that because your LDL goes up that this is going to give you a heart attack. Right. Um, Alternatively, no. and case in point, you and I over the years have seen many people with very high cholesterols in the three hundreds, even. Yes. Never had a heart attack. No, nothing e- really on EBT scan. heart scan. Yeah, yeah. Let's explain that. Right. Well, an- well, another, they had a high LDL too. I, I, I think I performed the same experiment myself. I was on a vegan, macrobiotic diet. When I tested my cholesterol, my cholesterol was one hundred and fifteen. Mm. I flipped the script and I consumed. Uh, a large amount of saturated fat, uh, coconut oil. My cholesterol is now in the you know low to mid two hundreds, mm-hmm. but the HDL went from about a twenty nine to about a sixty five. Excellent, uh, excellent. And triglycerides are you know in the mid double digits. Very good. And proof of the pudding is I don't have any uh, calcific plaque on EBT scan. Yeah. So uh, you know. I think we're chasing a wrong exactly. decoy rabbit here. Right. You know, it's not about the LDL. Everybody does these studies where they go, oh, we fed this food to the person. Oh, their cholesterol went up, their LDL went up. Hence, it must be bad. That's right. bad food. Right. Well, let's do another correlation along those same lines. Yep. Since 1970, cancer rates have gone up. Since 1970, consumers of organic foods has gone up. Is cancer caused by eating more organic food? Same kind of thing with the LDL, yeah. in my opinion. In my opinion. Okay. Just because you see an association doesn't mean anything. 
Right. It's not causality. And remember, LDL is a spackle, right? It's there to repair the artery. Yes, potentially. Would you blame the spackle for the crack on your living room wall? Mm-hmm. No, ridiculous, or right? Blame the fireman for the fire. Exactly. Yep. Or bra- blame the white blood cells for the infection. Yes. Every time no. I see the fire engine, there's a disaster. Yeah. Let's yes. Everywhere there's a fire engine, there's a fire. Defund the defund, defund the, the fire, fire department. department. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There we go. Right. Okay. So, uh, no, I couldn't think of a better way to get the point across about LDL. Right. Okay. So you, yeah, I think in subsequent articles you can elaborate. Yes, on Yes. That. Yes. Yes. And I'm going to. Mm-hmm. And Good. I'm coming more about LDL and the particles and the oxidized and yeah. all of the other stuff. Unless we think people are think you're cavalier about dismissing their high LDL. I mean, there's no, there's no. a rationale for that. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. All right. Uh, and, yeah. And, and again, the studies that, that we know, the people who in their 80s and 90s, they're going to live longest with an LD, with a total cholesterol in the mid to upper 200s. Yes. Rather than below 200. Yep. So. Okay. Uh, yeah. Let's get to questions. Okay. We have a question from Mr. Keenan. Dear Dr. Hoffman and Layla, my wife and I are 72 years old and would like to know your opinion on crushing the glucosamine tablets in a pill crusher and adding them to our in, into a powder in, into our morning smoothie. Mm-hmm. We have trouble swallowing large fi- pills. We find it more convenient to do this. Do we get still get the benefits and is it well, safe to do that? Why not? I, you know, sure. There, there's some things that just taste so grody that you don't want to... That you don't want to crush it know, or chew it. And I don't know what glucosamine tastes like. I've never chomped on a glucosamine yeah. tablet or capsule. I don't know either. Um, yeah. and, and some things, frankly, are kind of irritating. I, I would discourage people from uh, chomping on their vitamin C because it yeah. is rather acidic. Right. It might damage the tooth enamel and it might also uh, cause some... Uh, reflux or GERD. Sure, I wouldn't chomp on olive leaf either. Oh, you you done uh, that? No, I haven't. Just all because that could be irritating too. Oh, okay. That could be irritating too. All right. In the same way, but yeah, go ahead and try that, Mr. Keenan. I mean, if, look, if it just tastes horrible or if it irritates your throat, then that's not workable. But, right. Uh, you know, one of the reasons for encapsulating things is because they don't taste very good, mm-hmm. and the main reason is just to get it past your taste buds. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Let it go down a little better. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Keenan. Let's see. We have a question from Denise. Hello, Dr. Hoffman. I've been listening to you for over 30 years. I've enjoyed every minute. I've also learned quite a bit. Thank you for sharing your knowledge with me. Oh, that's a lot of minutes. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. I'm a very active 57-year-old woman. I'm 5'7", 135. Very good. I recently had blood work done. I see a complimentary physician. My fibrinogen is high, 445. Hmm. But my CRP was a 0.1. You're, first of all, I would say recheck it mm-hmm. because there I could be a lab error. And you know, I don't know if you need to hang your hat on the fact that your fibrinogen is high. Right. Now, Denise does have mild asthma and Epstein-Barr okay. antibodies right. are high. So, and that is inconsequential, too. It doesn't mean anything. If you're feeling well and you have positive anti- antibodies, it means, you know, it's kind of like if you have positive antibodies to COVID-19. Right. You've had it. Yeah, you've, you've had, had it. You've had it and you're mm-hmm. well. Um, 
Fibrinogen is something that's associated with uh, the viscosity and clottability of blood. And it's one of the cardiovascular risk factors. 400 and something is not that high. I guess it should probably be the 200s or 300s, if indeed that's correct. And, um, you know, how do you lower fibrinogen is, well, I don't know whether she mentioned. Thin the blood? Thin the blood. You know, take fish oil, take, you know, things that are natural blood thinners. Mm. Mm. Okay. Take everything that they tell you not to take right before surgery. You know, right, vitamin e, in the blood, right? You know, ginkgo, uh, things uh-huh. like that, garlic. Vi- vitamin you know. E, garlic, right, fish oil. Um, yeah. Yeah, that should be it. But, you know, I, before you... But uh, test it again. Yeah, I, I Test it I again. Would, yeah. We, we can't just take it as gospel that that first test was correct. A lot of people assume right? that the deadly accuracy of blood tests yeah. and having... Um, you know, having uh, supervised a laboratory during my medical career, um, you know, it's a little bit like um, it's a, like a kitchen. You know, it's like baking a cake. You know, putting all the reagents together correctly, and so a lot of it's automated these days. But it, you know, it depends on you know well calibrated equipment. It depends on yeah careful performance of the test. If the blood sits around a little too long, mm-hmm. it's not properly refrigerated. Any number of factors can sometimes change an outcome. So if you see something unexpected, yeah, uh, you know it's one thing if, if you you know if you're like sitting inside and not taking any multivitamins, not taking vitamin D, and then you find you have an astonishingly low level of vitamin D, it's like big whoop. You know, yeah. what do you think? What do you expect? Exactly. <laughs> but if exactly, but it, if you have a result that's kind of goes against your expectation, it's sometimes warranted to repeat it. Uh, mm-hmm. The other thing is surprising to me is that she has no markers of inflammation. It is not uncommon to see a constellation of things together, right. like high sedimentation rate, high C-reactive protein, high fibrinogen. Um, these are markers of um, viscosity of the blood that's due to inflammation. Yeah, and and she claims she has not a to low those. CRP, zero point one. Well, okay, then that's even a little yeah. more surprising. Yeah. Yeah. And then asthma, you know, can be an inflammatory disorder. Can it increase fibrinogen? You know, uh, something that's helpful for asthma and something that's helpful for fibrinogen is ginkgo biloba. Now, mm. ginkgo has the reputation for helping the brain, but it also has... Enhancing circulation, it, yeah. It, it reduces something called PAF, platelet activating factor, mm. which is part of the pathway of generation of fibrinogen. So by reducing PAF... You may get to the fibrinogen, and you also it also has nice effects in the lung mm-hmm. for asthma. So that could mm. be a supplement that could make you smarter and smart to take. Wow. <laughs> okay. Wow. Denise, thank you for your question. All right. This is from Julie. I have diabetes, and most of my pancreas has been resected and the spleen removed. I have compromised digestion, and I use I use a protein shake for one of my meals. Is whey protein isolate uh, uh, beneficial for me, or is it too processed? Well, this is an interesting case. Uh, I mean, I really would like this is the kind of patient that wow. would be interesting to study because when you the pancreas is interesting. It the word comes from pan, which means every 
everything. Mm-hmm. And creas, which is create. So the pancreas creates everything. Oh, my goodness. It creates digestive enzymes. It, it creates... Uh, the uh, you know your blood metabolism because it has, I mean your sugar metabolism because it has yeah. insulin uh, it has a lot of uh, it does a lot of things so it could be yeah. responsible for maldigestion and lack of absorption of certain key nutrients mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. many patients who have pancreatic insufficiency have diarrhea and they have uh, mm-hmm. what's called um, fat malabsorption. Yes. Uh, so this could be an interesting case for uh, nutritional intervention. I had a, a patient like that once who had, had pancreatic cancer. He had most of his pancreas removed. Mm. You can't live without a pancreas, so they left a little bit. And uh, he was feeling horrible. I mean, they, they seemed to have cured him of pancreatic cancer, but he was just feeling horrible. And we yeah. found, I never saw so many nutritional deficiencies as in this guy. Wow. Because he was just malabsorbing because his pancreas yeah. wasn't working. So we gave him digestive enzymes. We gave him certain key nutrients. He turned around beautifully, did really well. That's great. Um, mm-hmm. So removal of pancreas, I don't know, maybe this person had pancreatitis. Maybe that she had surgery for pancreatic cancer. She has diabetes. But when you have diabetes, yeah. they don't remove your pancreas. No, no. But it creates diabetes. And her too. spleen was taken out too. So she probably had some, you mm. know, uh, I, I don't even know what would cause, you know, general. Right. Compromised digestion. Yeah, unusual uh, surgery. Yeah. So uh, would whey be good? Whey is a really good thing for uh, stabilizing blood sugar. It's got protein and... Branch chain amino acids, too. Yeah. So the good good kind. It should be good. Yeah, it should be good. Um, Uh, Yeah. Uh, Just don't mix it with anything too sweet, Julie. If you're having a protein shake, try to use water as your liquid. But whey protein is a good form of uh, protein. All right. Yeah, it, you're particularly good for uh, diabetics. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, this is from Catherine. Dear Dr. Hoffman and Layla, let me start by saying how much I enjoy your radio program. I listen to the podcast religiously every week. I'm a 53-year-old woman. We're getting lots of women in their 50s today. It's my core demographic. There you go. You know, I look at I look at there's a way to break down your your demographic when uh-huh. you look at uh, Facebook. Like who is who's uh, you know following you, and uh, it's predominantly female, about seventy mm-hmm. percent female, and you know if you look at the age group like you know uh, you know twelve to seventeen, it's like nobody, no, nah. like two <laughs> people, but then yeah. you know with succeeding uh, age brackets, it goes up until like fifties and sixties is like a big is where it is, yeah, right. I'm a 53-year-old woman who's going through menopause, and I'm having such a hard time with hot flashes and joint pain, particularly in my calves and the soles of my feet. Catherine, I want to know what kind of shoes you're wearing. I wake up drenched every night. I'm exhausted during the day. I've tried sage, black cohosh, now menopausal support, all to no avail. Please help, as I don't want to go on hormone replacement therapy if I can help it. You should go on hormone replacement therapy. There you go. Sounds like oh, this person's having it. very bad menopause. Yeah. And you know, I'm I, I I'm not like Suzanne Summers who thinks that you know virtually all women are candidates for hormone replacement therapy, yeah. that it's the anti aging therapy par excellence for everyone. Mm-hmm. However, uh, I'm very liberal with prescribing it when women experience any one of the following symptoms. If they have terrible hot flashes, 
that are just make them miserable. Yeah. Uh, the other is some women really feel brain dead after menopause. They just have real cognitive problems. Right. The other problem is sexual problems. Mm. Some women, you know, even with the uh, natural lubricants and or even estrogen suppositories, they need systemic estrogen. Mm. And then, you know, also Topicals not sometimes enough. libido is just gone and they, sure. you want to maintain a relationship. So we, we use hormones, balanced hormones. Um, and, uh, you know, the other one is, is fibromyalgia, mm. aches and pains. And it sounds, I mean, it's... Calves and the soles of her feet, that, that brings me to high-heeled shoes. It, look, that could definitely be part of it. But yeah. I got to tell you that I don't wear high-heeled shoes, and from time to time, I get stiff, you know, but, calves. And, but wait, Dr. Hoffman, yeah. here's something that's happened during the pandemic, and I even saw a joke go, going around via things that my sister emails me from time to time. Our feet no longer like shoes. We've been at home so long <laughs> that it almost demands a retraining. Yeah, that's true. To get yeah. into a pair yeah. of shoes. Now, I may, I most of the part, 99% of the time, wear comfortable shoes. So, but for anybody else who's used to wearing heels yeah. and they've been home in their sweats yeah. for three I, months. I live like. And, and you get into a high heeled yeah. shoe. No, no, I even feel it as I'm saying it. I, I, so live, it's I not, live like Huck Finn at home. You know, I'm walking around barefoot or with thin yeah, socks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. you know, but, you know, I got it. So, yeah. But there is. Uh, a, a, a stream of thought about, uh, or a school of thought about treating muscular aches and pains yeah. with hormone replacement therapy, and that it does seem to coincide with this with her menopause. Yeah, you yeah. Know, so, so uh, you know, we can we can suggest yoga stretching, and we can suggest Magnesium. topical CBD, you know, mm-hmm. cream, rubbing it in, massaging mm-hmm. it in, uh, for you know, dealing with the muscle. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it this would be really great to try bioidentical <clears throat> hormone replacement therapy. Yeah. Because that could be dramatic. Yeah. Catherine, uh, uh, a word about waking up drenched every night. Um, there's another very good book, The Wisdom of Menopause by uh, Christiane Northrup. Northrup, sure. Mm-hmm. Right? She's an integrative uh, yep. OBGYN, I, I believe, who now does more integrative than anything. She's talked a lot about not having caffeine or chocolate or yep. alcohol or anything like that that can cause more hot flashing. Right. Now that you're no longer so awash in... Because blood sugar exactly. fluctuations will right. uh, trigger that. And another thing, just a word about sleep hygiene, make sure the bedroom's not too warm. Right. You That's don't want a warm bedroom. You don't yeah. want it... Over 68 degrees yeah. Fahrenheit. Funny story. The other night, you know, I like to sleep with the bedroom cold. And so I, best I, keep way the, to sleep. I keep the window cracked. Not yeah. broken cracked, but like slightly open. Yeah. So there was a really cold night. It was like down into the into the teens the yeah. other night. And so I get up in the middle of the night and I go, it's really cold in here. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's cozy, but it's a little too cold. Yeah. And I'm going to get up pretty soon. And if I, if it's this cold, I'm not going to want to get up. Right. I'm just going to want to stay under the covers. Right. So let me, I want to get, you know, I can doze for a little bit. I want to prepare the room for me getting up. So I like go to close the window. The window is stuck. Because <gasps> it's, it, it snowed a little bit and it oh. froze. So I'm thinking, it's like, wait, it's 4.30 in the morning. I'm wrestling in the window. It's like. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so much for that. So I get the hair dryer. <laughs> oh, good idea. The hair dryer. I'm like standing there at 4.30 in the morning. I'm standing with the hair dryer like. <laughs> to, 
And finally, and it worked. And it worked. That, it that worked. worked you know, but I still had to stay in for like 10, 15 minutes. Like, oh, what am gosh. I doing here? It's pitch dark. It's freezing. It's, yeah. But that's, you know, it's like the room was like meat locker temperature. Mm-hmm. I could have preserved meat in that. <laughs> <laughs> Visions of hanging salami. And I could have, you know, it's like, uh, oh, my refrigerator is full. I could just, okay, you know, put the put the stuff on the on the shelf here in the bedroom. Oh, my goodness. Anyway. Okay, okay so Catherine might need... Bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I, I'm, yeah, I'm, that's pretty pretty I'm awful to deal with all that. Yeah, that much. That point, and having tried everything else. Yeah. No, I'm, I commend her for trying everything else. But sometimes you have to resort to. Yeah. It's a prescription, but at least it's replacing you with something natural. Yes. You know? And I, I don't think it's Agreed. terribly harmful or dangerous, uh, unless some each has real strong contraindications. You know, like. History of breast cancer or something. Or reproductive cancers or something. Right. Okay. Uh, Let's take a break because we divide our podcast into two parts. And when we return, we'll tackle some new questions. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman. It's our weekly Q&A with Layla. Radio program at AOL.com is the destination for your queries.